All right. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we just, we, we actually just sang a song that says, uh, let the tide roll. And uh, <laughs> I expect to be notified by my family this week that I have been disinherited. And uh, Dennis, Dennis Ward, if you're watching, please don't leave the church. Um, it's a good song. <laughs> Let the tide roll. It's the only time I've said that in my whole life. Okay, uh, our offering prayer uh, for today is from St. Chrysostom. Uh, he lived from 347 to 407. Uh, and the prayer goes like this. Almighty God, who has given us at this time with one accord to make our common prayer to you and does promise that when two or three are gathered together in your name, you will grant their request. Fulfill now, O Lord, the desires and petitions of your servants as may be most expedient for them, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the world to come, everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, you can uh, give. Uh, we appreciate uh, your faithfulness during this time as you've continued uh, to be so generous. And you can give through texting. You can also uh, download our app, the Riverstone app. It's easy to give through the app. And then uh, also if you want to write checks, you can mail them. Uh, to our post office box and all of those uh, things you should see on the screen. Uh, and again, thank you. Uh, so today I want to talk a little bit about spiritual authority and power. Uh, it's an interesting topic. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples uh, of all nations. And the implication is that all the power that has been given to him that he is uh, imparting to his disciples as he sends them out. Um, in Matthew chapter 12, a few chapters earlier, he makes this statement in verse 28, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There were some Pharisees who were accusing him of casting out demons by the power of of Beelzebub or, or Satan. And Jesus, of course, uh, first tells them that uh, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And he says, you know, if, if I'm casting out demons by the power of Satan, then his kingdom is divided and it won't stand. But then he goes on, he, he asks the question, he says, uh, if I'm doing this by the power of Satan, who, who are you casting out demons? What, what power are you using to cast out demons? Which, and the answer to that was they, they were not casting out demons. And uh, then he, but then he says, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul says, my message was not wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the spirit's power. And so uh, what exactly are we talking about when we talk about spiritual authority and, and spiritual power and how do they relate to each other and how do they operate uh, in the life of a believer and, and what does authority look like in a believer's life? 
Uh, here are a couple of definitions that might kind of help you understand the difference between authority and power. Uh, authority is the right to exercise power. And then power is the ability or, or the might to affect change. And, and in the kingdom of God, usually when, it, when we think about power, we think about things like miracles and signs and wonders. Um, uh, a couple of other examples just to kind of show you uh, the difference. A, a policeman can stand in the path of a car and hold up a badge. And he has, by, by virtue of that badge, he has authority to stop that car. But he may not have the power to stop it. Uh, a jailer with a key has the power to open a jail cell, but he may not have the authority to do it. Uh, authority without power is not very effective. And power without authority uh, can be destructive. Uh, Jesus, uh, just as Jesus is the perfect embodiment of grace and truth, Jesus also is the perfect embodiment of, of both authority and power. Uh, power and authority come together uh, in Jesus as a perfect expression from the Father's heart. Uh, so what does the Bible say about authority uh, and power? First thing we have to understand is that God has absolute authority and power. Genesis 17, 1 says, Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. In other words, I, I have power over everything. I have absolute power and absolute authority. In Genesis 1, it describes God's creative power. Luke 12 tells about his power to judge and to destroy. 1 Corinthians 1 talks about his power to save. Uh, Romans 9, verse 21, Paul compares God's authority to the power that a potter has over the clay. God has complete power and authority. We could say God has unlimited, infinite authority and power. Second thing we need to understand is that God has delegated authority and power to his people. Uh, in the creation story, God clearly assigns and delegates authority over creation to humanity, to Adam and Eve. He, he gives them authority over all of creation. Genesis 1 says that God gave man authority and power to rule over the earth. Uh, so God has complete unlimited authority and power, and humanity was given limited delegated authority. Uh, power and authority. Now, here's where it gets just a little bit dicey. Uh, Satan actually has temporary power in this world. Um, Genesis 3 says that because of our sin and disobedience, we lost our privilege of authority and power. And Satan actually became the prince or the ruler. In some places, it's, he's called the God of this world. Second uh, Corinthians 4.4 4 says, and, and this is referring to Satan, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. First uh, John chapter 5 verse 19 says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. 
And then, of course, familiar verse in Ephesians 6 says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. So God has unlimited, infinite power and authority. Man has delegated power and authority. Satan has temporary power and authority. Now, Jesus came as a man, lived on the earth, died on the cross, was raised after the, on the third day to reestablish God's authority and power in us. Here's some examples. Satan manifests his power through sin. Sin separates us from God. Jesus reconciles us back to God by defeating sin. Uh, Satan seeks to hold us captive through lies and deception. Jesus sets us free through truth. Satan manifests his power through disease and death. Jesus brings healing and eternal life. Satan manifests his power through demonization. Jesus brings freedom through deliverance. Now, when you look at the, the Bible story, the biblical story uh, of Jesus, uh, Satan believed that he could exert power over Jesus. He actually uh, approached Jesus in the desert. He tempts him. He tries to get him to, to bow down to several different things, three different temptations. You know, you know that story. Uh, he probably thought that the death of Jesus was good for him. He probably did. But John 10, 18 says this, Jesus speaking, no one takes my life, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, Ephesians 1, kind of bringing all this together, Ephesians 1, 21 and 22 says that when Jesus, after being raised from the dead, was exalted, so he's, he's raised from the dead, he ascends to heaven, he's exalted to the right hand of the Father, and, and this is what it says in Ephesians 1, 21 and 22. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also the one to come, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so when, when it comes to authority and power, uh, we need to understand that all authority and all power has been put under the feet of Jesus. So God has absolute power and authority. Man has delegated and forfeited power and authority. Satan has temporary power and authority. Jesus has complete power and authority or complete authority over all power and authority. So if we understand all those things, and hopefully, hopefully you do at least sort of, uh, then Let's talk about the believer's available authority and power. Uh, Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Uh, Luke 9 says, 
He calls the 12, Jesus called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over demons and to heal diseases. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 says, behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So understanding that, what I want to talk about today really are four things that we need to know about the power and the authority that is available to us. Uh, there are a lot of mistakes that can be made if we just assume and presume things rather than really thinking through and understanding, uh, according to Scripture, how we are to operate uh, in the power uh, of God and, and in, with the authority that God has given us. Uh, we don't want, as I said earlier, uh, to operate uh, with an authority that has no power, and we certainly don't want uh, to yield uh, power without authority. Uh, so number one, we need to know and, and understand that we exercise power and authority out of position. We exercise power and authority out of position. Having been adopted into his family through spiritual rebirth, we are sons and daughters. Our position, our position is our identity and our identity is essential. Uh, to operate in power with authority in the kingdom of God, you have to be a son or a daughter. Uh, and we, we move into that position through spiritual birth. And, and there is no other way. Uh, it's not just something that you intellectually uh, agree with. Spiritual birth is a real thing. Jesus said, you must be born again. There's a spiritual birth that doesn't happen necessarily here, but it happens here uh, in your spirit. Uh, the Bible teaches that our spirits are dead until they are resurrected by the spirit of God and, and we are made alive in our spirit and able to re have relationship with God again. Uh, when, G when, when the father told Adam and Eve that they would die uh, if they ate from a certain fruit, we know from reading the story that they didn't physically die. So what, what was he talking about? It was a spiritual death that occurred and that has been inherited uh, by every human being since then, uh, a, a nature to sin. And the only way uh, to break that nature and have a new nature born in you is to be born again. So there's a spiritual birth that has to take place. And, and that spiritual birth takes place when we acknowledge our sin and we acknowledge our need for God. We, we recognize that we cannot save ourselves. There's nothing that we can do that would make us good enough to be accepted by God. And so we must, if we want to be in relationship with God, we must accept his righteousness and his payment on our behalf. And so we repent of our sins and we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and him alone. Not in what we can do or, or are able to do, but we put our faith and our trust uh, in Jesus. It's interesting, I, I was reading a book that I, I highly recommend called, uh, I think it's called A Gentle Answer, but I'll, I'll tell you for sure next week. <laughs> but uh, 
Scott Sauls, who is from Nashville, wrote this book. It's an incredible book. Um, but, but one of the things he says that's really interesting in this book is that uh, a lot of the reason that atheists give or any unbeliever gives for not being a Christian is that uh, Christians are uh, hypocrites. He says, you know, so many Christians are hypocrites. And the truth is that most of us, by the definition of the world, most of us are. Most of us are. And, and this is why I would say that. Um, the way the world defines a hypocrite is uh, you say one thing, but you do another. Uh, and the truth is, if we could do it, we would. We can't do it. And so we depend on Jesus and we put our faith and our trust in him. And so, yeah, if you want to judge us by that, uh, if you want to judge us by the fact that we have to have Jesus do it for us because we can't do it ourselves, then yeah, I guess we're hypocrites. And uh, it's okay though, because Jesus didn't come to save the ones who were able. He came to save the ones who were not able. And that's us. It's all of us. So spiritual birth has to take place, uh, not, not just in the head. It's not just coming to an agreement, although that's a part of the process. Uh, it happens in the heart or in the spirit where our spirit is made alive in him. So we exercise power and authority out of position. Second, we exercise this power and authority through submission. Uh, in Matthew 8, uh, we read the story of the centurion uh, who comes to Jesus. He has a servant who is sick and he wants Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus says, I'll, I'll come with you. I'll come to your house. And in verses 8 and 9, we read these words. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes. And Jesus marveled at his faith because Jesus realized this man understands what it is to operate under authority because he understands submission. As, as subjects in God's kingdom, uh, we receive power and authority by being under authority. We have no authority of our own. We have only a delegated authority. And so if we step out from under the authority of God, we step out from under any authority that we may walk in. And so we, we walk in authority by virtue of our position and by virtue of submission to a king. So submission looks like obedience. And Jesus said that obedience looked a lot like love. In fact, Jesus says that obedience is born out of love. He says, you can tell who loves me because they obey me. And so the bottom line for us is that there is no place for pride and arrogance uh, in the kingdom of God. If you want to walk in authority, sometimes we think of in, in a worldly definition of authority, you might think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an important figure here I have a lot of a lot of power and a lot of authority and, and that makes me something well in the kingdom of God we're not really something he he is everything and so walking in submission to him 
walking in humility, understanding who we are, understanding who he is, uh, and praying with Jesus, uh, the most powerful prayer probably that's ever, ever been prayed as Jesus in the garden, uh, preparing for the cross, prayed, not my will, but yours be done. And when we embrace that attitude and we live our lives uh, with that focus, not, not my will, not, but, not what I want, God, but what you want for me, what you want in me, what you want through me, even what you want to me. Uh, so we operate in authority and power by submission. And then third, we exercise power and authority out of relationship. Uh, John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, when we talk about relationship, when it comes to walking in authority and power, you need to understand that the relationship we're talking about is a relationship of intimacy, not a relationship of proximity. Uh, to walk in authority requires endorsement. And endorsement comes through intimacy. Uh, Jesus walked with the Father and the Spirit in, in what we have called divine rhythm. Uh, Eugene Peterson called it the divine dance of the Trinity. Uh, they were never out of step. Uh, it wasn't the, the kind of dancing that I did, you know, in middle school uh, when I went to my first dances and I just kind of, you know, was afraid to, to move because I might look stupid. It's not that kind of dance. The dance of the Trinity is a divine movement that is never out of step, that is always flowing perfectly in sync with each other, preferring each other. And that is the relationship that we're called to, is to dance with God, to move in this sense of divine rhythm where we are following every step that he makes. Uh, he is the leader. So sonship and daughtership is not just a legal position. Uh, it's a relational position. Uh, we walk in authority only to the degree that we embrace humility, faith, and love. Uh, humility is understanding that our position is not earned. It's not deserved. It's given. Uh, faith is recognizing the unlimited power of God uh, and having a sense of awe and a sense of wonder uh, over who he is. And then love is knowing, recognizing, and, and living in the fact of his sacrificial love for us. Knowing the sacrifice of the son uh, is, is the thing that births our love for him. So we slip out then, we slip out of authority and power when we walk in sin, when we walk in pride, and when we forget love. When we walk in sin, and I, and I don't mean necessarily an isolated event, but when we walk in sin, destructive behaviors and destructive patterns uh, will cause us uh, to slip out of authority. Uh, when we walk in pride, we, we begin to think, you know, hey, God, you can take this one out. You can sit this one out. I got it. We start to think, I can do this. Uh, 
We'll, we'll find ourselves in the position that Samson was in, where I think the saddest verse in all of the Bible, it says that Samson went out to fight the Philistines like he had done so many other times, and he did not know that the Spirit of God had left him. Didn't know it. And then when we forget love, uh, when we forget love, we do things like judging others, resenting others, or just not caring uh, about others. When the Bible says that we're to love mercy and that we're to act justly and that we're to walk humbly, they, these are the kinds of things that keep us in uh, the authority of God and keep us under uh, his anointing and allow us to walk and to exercise uh, the power that he has delegated to us. Uh, a lot of believers are uh, struggling in life or struggling in life and they're struggling because they have failed to recognize that they have authority and they have power that they can walk in. And so they allow the enemy to beat them up every day. Uh, and he beats them up through lies and he beats them up with shame uh, and he beats them up through circumstances. Uh, God is bigger than your circumstances. He doesn't necessarily always deliver you from your circumstances, but he will raise you above your circumstances if you put your focus on him, if you pray with Jesus the prayer, not my will, but your will be done in me. Uh, if you choose the way of love and you choose the way of faith and you choose the way of humility, there is no situation that can come against you and win. Because when the Bible says that God uses all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, what that actually means is if you break it down in the Greek and you do a word study of it and you just really flesh it out, what that verse actually means is that God uses all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So every situation that you're in, every situation that you encounter, every relationship that you're struggling through, the answer the answer to the resolution and the reconciliation and the learning to walk above your circumstances, the answer in every situation for you and for me to be able to walk in the authority and the power that God has offered to us is to walk in humility, faith, and love. Uh, to surrender ourselves uh, to uh, the great, all-encompassing, infinite, complete authority of God to recognize our need for him by faith to give ourselves to him and be born again and then to walk in love, not a love that we can conjure up, but the love that the spirit of God puts within us when he fills us. Uh, as Romans 5 says, uh, when the spirit fills us with love that is overflowing. Uh, so faith Humility and love will allow us to walk uh, in the way of God in every situation. So whatever's coming against you now, whatever difficulty you're facing and you feel like you just can't, you can't overcome it, know that you are more 
than an overcomer. Uh, you're a son. You're a daughter. You can walk in victory in every situation if you submit, believe, and love. Now let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the way uh, that you love us. I thank you that uh, your love is active, that your love is what took you to the cross and made a way for us to be reconciled to the Father and that you continue uh, to be active on our behalf. I thank you that even right now, today, this morning, you intercede at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. We thank you for that. And I pray right now, today, that everyone who is within the sound of my voice, uh, who needs to be renewed or refreshed or reminded of who you are, I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that you would engage hearts and draw men and women to yourself. Uh, we, we need you. We need to be reminded of how amazing and how uh, utterly awesome you are. And so we, we say, come, reveal the heart of the Father to us again and again. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a, a few minutes just of uh, worship and ministry together today, and uh, you'll have an opportunity to, to text message us if you want prayer. And I just encourage you, you know, if you find yourself struggling and then you just find it difficult to consistently walk out, live out the Christian life, you find yourself falling into patterns of destructive behavior, habitual sin, uh, you feel yourself getting angry, judgmental, resentful, there's all these attitudes that you know are, are not uh, what God desires for you. I would encourage you. Uh, to reach out to us. Let us pray for you today. Uh, there is more available to us in Christ than most of us walk in on a daily basis. Uh, most unfortunate reality maybe uh, in the Christian church today is how many of us settle for less than God has offered. Uh, so we, we don't want to do that anymore. So. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you today.